Baseline podcast, the pod where normal people become incrementally less shit. Sometimes. I'm Stacey Fisher. And I'm Taryn Heddo. And together, we're sisters and a pair of normies prone to a wee minty bee. <laughs> Just a wee one. Just a Just wee a one. Before we get too much into the podcast, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands in which we are recording this podcast for us today. That is the lands of the Wurundjeri and Gadigal peoples. Sovereignty was never ceded. It always was, always will be Aboriginal land. This week, I'm excited to hear all about your first ever A-League commentating gig, Taryn. Yay! <laughs> I am... Um- Pack how all my worst fears came true and I had a bloody near-death experience in a poorly organised open water swim race and against my better judgement, <laughs> I detail what a crypto polycule is and how a cabal of youthful virgins lost $24 billion overnight. I have heard about this story, but I have not investigated further because I, I've not done that to myself. So I am <laughs> very excited to hear it from you. Well, I will be serving up some historical bat shittery today, as well as talking a little bit about my past week, which has been insane. Insane. Alrighty. Taryn, do you want to go first? This is a historical one, and, and I bring it up because I think those of a certain vintage are aware of this speech, but it did occur to me one day, I was sitting in, in a university class a couple of years ago and I made a reference to this speech and people didn't know what it was. Bobby Catter is somewhat of an eccentric politician, I think it's fair to eccentric. say, <laughs> up in Queensland. He has some interesting views. Back in 2017, when the Marriage Equality Poster Survey was going on, there was the best possible example of his batshittery, and it came in the form of this 20-second clip. You know, people are entitled to their sexual proclivities. You know, I mean, let there be a thousand blossoms bloom, as far as I'm concerned. You know, but I ain't spending any time on it. Because in the meantime, every three months, a person is torn to pieces by a crocodile in North Queensland. Why did he bring that up? (laughs) Well, I think he copped some shtick a few years before. He made the comment that there were no gay people in Townsville. To which our brother Adrian went, ha ha! Very aware of multiple gay people in Townsville. In Townsville, indeed. <laughs> Stacey, I am really excited to learn about crypto. This is going to be a long one. Do you know anything about cryptocurrency? I know a little bit because I was kind of forced against my will to learn about NFTs, but I know that it's it's different. Yeah, so they're both blockchain, right? You buy NFTs with crypto, but that's kind of where the similarities end. As my mates still mock me about to this day, I did maths in society in high school. (laughs) So to say that I am wildly underqualified to step you through the recent collapse of one of the world's biggest cryptocurrency markets, exchanges rather, is a massive understatement. I, (laughs) like you, I'd sort of, it had been dancing around my feeds and I hadn't been particularly interested until the words sexual 
polycule. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing polycule right, but that's how it's going to be pronounced for this podcast <laughs> until that hit the headlines. And once it did, I thought that sounded a little spicy. So I'll uh, dig a little deeper. And Taryn, I need you to sound the batshit alarm for this one. <laughs> red alert, red alert. <laughs> the supporting cast features Enron, the Winklevoss twins, Bernie Madoff, and the divorce of Giselle and Tom Brady. Wow. Now, I have to credit the hilarious Michael Delorio for helping me make sense of this whole FTX collapse. Because now I hope my, my investors aren't listening to this because it took Delorio's pedestrian article titled, Allow Me, a bimbo who can't count, to explain how a crypto dweeb lost 24 billion in days for me to really get my head around it. That is a great title. That is a great title. And the article is hilarious. You should check it out. Crypto has some infrastructure around it and you can you trade it in what's called crypto exchanges. Now, until weeks ago, the second biggest of those was called FTX, which stands for Future Exchange. Where that T came from, I have no idea, but it's FTX. <laughs> this exchange was founded and mostly owned by a badly dressed 20-something called Sam Bankman Fried or SBF if you're a crypto bro. Until he filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy on November the 11th, he had this godlike status in the crypto world. He lived surrounded by 10 other sweaty somethings from MIT in a $39 million compound in the Bahamas from where he ran FTX plus a range of other businesses, including his trading firm, Alameda Research. So would you say that his brand is now fried? <laughs> Dad joke! Uh-uh. <laughs> so mo- most people don't really have an intuitive sense of what a billion dollars is. So a good example that you see quoted often is that a million seconds is about 11 days and a billion seconds is 31.5 years. That's how much bigger a billion is to a million. So a billion dollars is a lot of money. Just two weeks ago, FTX was worth $24 billion. Today, it is worth $1. So this makes SPF the single biggest loser of money in human history. And we aren't just talking kind of fake money, we're actually talking real dollars. Investors like Tom Brady and some really big investment firms were like up to their tits in this. In fact, I have it on good TikTok sleuth authority that the Tom and Giselle divorce is a ploy to offload a good chunk of their worth to Giselle before Tom goes under with this because they're so tied up in this whole thing. SBF is now in the wind with approximately 600 million of hacked funds. Which, look, I don't know much about crypto, but I know a little bit about blockchain and I'm pretty sure you can't hack crypto funds. But anyway, he's in the wind. And look, it doesn't seem to be the case of like a liquidity crisis that turned into a solvency crisis. Like a lot of, that's how most businesses go under. As The Guardian put it, three kids in a trench coat pretending to be an adult. Right. John J. Ray III, great name. The the new CEO of FTX said of the business in a declaration he filed in bankruptcy proceedings, from compromised systems integrity and faulty regulatory oversight abroad 
to the concentration of control in the hands of a very small group of inexperienced, unsophisticated and potentially compromised individuals, this situation is unprecedented. You want to know what other company John J. Ray III steered through bankruptcy proceedings? Enron. Enron. Yes. (laughs) He went through Enron and he still thinks that this is... This situation is unprecedented. He John mentioned J. earlier on Ray. that never in his career has he seen anything like this. The Winklevi, the uh, identical twin Facebook founders known for being played by wannabe cannibal Arnie Hana in The Social Network. To Anthony Scaramucci, or The Mooch, as he was better known, Trump's shortest lasting comms appointee. They all lost billions in the scam, millions rather, in the scam. But the most salacious bit about it all, which has made the headlines, is it seems like all these kids that were entrusted with billions of dollars were just 10 nerds who openly admitted, like tweeted about taking amphetamines and fucking each other in a compound in the Bahamas based on the myth of a boy genius. That makes it the best. That yeah. makes it awesome. It's fucking bananas and I'm so here for it. I love this shit. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, sure. I'm very sad for kids that have entrusted these people to their money. Yeah. The issue with things like this is not the millionaires that it affects because who cares? Yeah. I don't care about Tom Brady's financial security. Yeah. The issue is the kids who invested their college funds or their you know in america healthcare money all of their savings into this 10 grand 20 grand and then that's all gone that's the actual tragedy of these yeah the advertising is predatory it's targeting Mm. kids who think that they're invincible and who think that they've discovered this Mm. secret to making money that no Mm. one else knows Mm. Mm. and it has this kind of outcome Anyway, that's my bachelorette. What are you working on this week? Well, this past week has been so full of football stuff and this upcoming week is also going to be so full of football stuff. But I will have a break, which is going to be top-notch. Well-deserved. Yeah, well-deserved. Yeah, so the last week has been insane. Obviously, I was was on the Central Coast. I went to the Matildas game on Tuesday night. Went to the A-League women's season launch on Wednesday, which was great. Met a number of players, uh, met a number of people. You know, there's so many names that you know and so many faces that you might have seen on a screen, but it's really nice to meet people in person. And, you know, everyone was really lovely. Uh, It was a good event. I got to do the the announcing at the event. So as the players walked out, uh, it was my voice, the voice of God, Adelaide United, Dylan Holmes, you know, that sort of thing. And then it was all systems go preparing for my first commentary gig. Had a little bit of a menti bee the night before. You know, it's it's a huge occasion and... Uh It was so much build-up. Like, I looked back through my emails. I first found out about this in August. So it's been three months of sort of emotional build-up to one sort of two-hour call. You quit your stable job in the hope that this opportunity would come off. Yeah. You put everything on the line for this. Yeah. So it's obviously just a huge, like, emotional release. And, you know, it went really well. 
I was with a really fantastic co-commentator, the coach, the young Matilda's Leah Blaney, who's very, very knowledgeable and certainly contributed so much and made my life so much easier. It was a really action-packed game. It was ended to Great all, game. But there were so many shots, so many opportunities for both sides. And I really enjoyed it. It was and you did an amazing job. You did a great job. Thank you. I mean, you sounded I, like a pro. I actually I listened back today, and it's funny because, you know, like the little technical things, obviously, because it was my first time doing it. Is very different doing it at a local level. Um, to a, you know, there's there's sort of like I don't get highlights at a local level. You know, they don't they don't need certain things to like chop it up into a highlights package. It's it's very different when it's going out like this and it's much more professional production there's certain things that you need to do that I just sort of need to get used to and that's not a problem but listening back to my voice I'm like and it's like it's impossible to be subjective about your own voice uh, to be objective sorry about your own voice I <laughs> I was listening back to it like I hate this I sound like a child I'm like gravelly I'm tired um you sounded great you did really well Taryn you should be really proud and Thank now you've you. done it. Like, you've done this. No one can ever take that away from you. You have officially commentated a women's A-League football match. You are the third, fourth and fifth, you three girls, to ever commentate an A-League women's match. Yeah, it's been, like it's fantastic. It yep. feels really good to have done that and day one of a long career, hopefully. So, yeah, this week is really along a similar line. It's it's watching all of the games because there was three games at once. Uh, you can catch all the action on 10Play and Paramount+. Plus. But Saturday, 3 p.m., every Saturday, 3 p.m., there's a program called Dub Zone, which displays all three of the games all at once. You don't hear the commentary, but you hear all of the, like, you, you get a picture of all of the games all at once, which is really, really cool. So I'm looking forward this week to be able to sit down and watch dub zone but because <laughs> i was calling my game obviously i've got to go back and, and watch those two games that were happening simultaneously for the next week it's much the same i think health wise i really dealt with the last week better than i thought i would mm. obviously there was that sort of emotional come down i was very tired on saturday night and on sunday but not not to the extent that i thought i would be i i really pulled up fine yeah i was re- i was really impressed by how well you coped physically well, it was the first time that really since COVID that I, I think I've had such a big leap forward mm. because that was a busy week. The entire week was busy and I, I managed to sort of come out the other side feeling okay. So now it, I'm almost back to the normal mental health stuff that I would have done prior to getting sick, but just in a, in a smaller kind of way, like looking after my physical health in a similar way that I, I would have done pre-COVID. You know, I do feel like I can step it up now. You know, it's it's hitting that six-month mark and doctors have said to me that the six-month mark is about when long COVID patients generally start to feel better and make big improvements. And it's all looking really, really positive for me. It's just continuing that momentum and not getting carried away and not doing anything silly, still making those small steps, but... For the first time in a long time, I feel really, really optimistic about my health. Stacy, mm-hmm. what are yes. you working on this week? So last week I spoke about implementation and I was good at sticking to my plan. First week in nine weeks. <laughs> I can say I was pretty I was pretty good. Um, the morning fats are making a huge difference. 
I've also been having a big smoothie with oats and protein mid-afternoon, which is really helping me keep me full and energized. Um, so that just meant that this week my sleep was really good. My training was really good. Uh, I also did Sunday night planning, which has been a huge part of my life for the last couple of years, really. And I can really tell at the end of the week, I can look back and say this was a planned week or not a planned week based on this kind of 30 minute routine that I have on a Sunday night. And I did that last Sunday. And that just meant that I knew when I woke up in the morning exactly what I was doing every single day and really just helped with kind of overall mental bandwidth. The other thing I spoke about last week was this idea that I don't have brain space to do new things being a habitual thought that I've got stuck in. And look, a thought is just a thought and it can be changed and I know that. But I did do that meditation process that I said I would do and I realized that it's a little bit more than that because it's not that my life is peachy and then I have no reason to feel overwhelmed. Just that there is still opportunity to sort of create some emotional space that would allow me to take bigger risks in my business and my personal life. So that's, that's what I'm aiming for. It's not necessarily the fact that I have unending chores that prevents me from taking those big risks and doing more like writing the book that I've always wanted to write, doing my bronze medallion, doing those things that have kind of been hanging over me that I've wanted to do for a while. It's that I, you know, I just need that little bit more emotional bandwidth. And one area I think that I can get that from is in my personal boundaries. Now, when we talk about poor boundaries, we usually talk about volunteering and social situations and work. And over the years, I've got a lot better at building boundaries around that stuff, saying no or saying yes, but within these parameters. But I still have really poor boundaries around my family. And that's my fault. Boundaries are not, you don't like make them up in your head and expect that no one ever cross your boundaries. And if they do, you punish them. That's not what a boundary is. A boundary is your, really your capacity and willingness to state your needs. And mine has typically been pretty poor within my family units. One area that I really, I'm really going to start to work on is with the kids and I know that sounds kind of weird, boundary violations with my children, but there, I know there is stuff that the kids could be doing for themselves. I know that I am robbing them of opportunities to build a sense of self-competence. Self-sufficiency is one of my core values as a human being. And when I step in and do things for the boys that they can do for themselves, I'm robbing them of the opportunity to build those skills and that sense of self-competence. And what I'm finding is I'm actually wasting a fair bit of bandwidth by stepping in and doing things for them because that's what society says a good mother does. You see us at the dinner table. We eat dinner together every night around the table, knives and forks, like leave it to beaver. Yes. And that's been really important to Sam and I. But we, what ends up happening is we nag the children about finishing their food and eating with their knife and fork and it becomes a bit of a chore and, and it just takes up so much mental bandwidth that it then leaves me drained for the rest of the evening 
And it does feel like a boundary violation. I'm doing something that I don't want to do that doesn't fit with my values. And it's such Mm. a small example, but those little examples work up to a lot. So this week, my goal is simply to observe my own interactions. I don't yet, I've noticed this is a pattern. Now my job is to observe them, write them down, and next will be the process I need to go through to change those. And that will likely be small steps at a time, like getting up from the table when I feel myself getting activated around Maxie's fussy eating or fidgeting at the table or whatever. That's the next step. But this step this week is just to jot down what gives me that little like throat closing over feeling or what tugs at my chest a little bit and feels like resistance. When I feel that, I'm going to have a notepad, I'm going to write it down and then comes the planning. It's so hard with kids because as they grow, like they grow so quickly, they change so quickly, they become self-sufficient and more mature sort of quicker than our adult brains can quite Mm. comprehend Mm. because we get set in our ways but they're changing every day and growing every day and and to be clear this is me absolutely being set in my ways we sam and i will often have a conversation saying oh we're not going to do x y and z for the boys anymore we need to we need them to learn how to do this and instead of encouraging them them into it, we have a bad day, we're busy, we need them to be out the door or in bed or whatever it is within 10 minutes and we either do it for them or we shout at them to get it done. Mm. We know that's not how to get things done. <laughs> we know that's not how to realise behaviour change, mm-hmm. but we do it anyway, you know. What's your small dumb thing? Right. So last week it was pretty much just sticking to my routine while I was away. And I I did that. I did it. I I ate breakfast every morning. I had a coffee every day. I had, uh, I had electrolytes every day. I took my drugs every day. It was good. I did those things. So this week, now that I'm, now that I'm home, my small dumb thing is actually going to be an extension on a previous one where I said that it was to be to go outside. Gonna this week it's going to be baseline. Not, yeah, this week it's going to be leaving the house. So not just going outside, but actually leaving the boundary of the apartment in which I live every single day. And the reason for that is because of what I talked about earlier, my physical health is as good as it's been since I got COVID and I feel really capable of doing a five to ten minute walk every day and that doesn't mean that it is long or it is quick or it is unaided but I think that now that I'm able to do it again it's so good for the endorphins. And so all of the general reasons why you would do that as a human being anyway. Mm. I want to have those benefits again. And I want my brain to sort of go ping with endorphins and feel really good about myself again. So yeah. that's going to be my small dumb thing. 
Mm. I mean, even if you make it to the curb and go back inside, that's the build on last, you know, week before last when it was just to go out on the balcony. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that will be very possible. And then, you know, in a couple of months, it'll be, you know, go for a long walk every day or it'll be, you know, but we're still a few Mm. months of that. Mm. But it's nice to know that I'm, I'm in a spot where I can go on a short walk every single day now. Mm-hmm. What's your small dumb thing? Well, I have an aquathon coming up in two weeks' time down in down in Wollongong. I was running about seven k's pretty consistently early on in COVID, but then the lockdowns got really strict, and my running partner and I couldn't catch up anymore, and so. I lost my running for a while and I haven't yet made it back up to 7Ks. I've been doing fartleks. It's Swedish for run play Um, and they don't feel very playful. They feel like shit, but they're like you vary your speed and it's all about technique. And my, my whole run program for the last six weeks has been technique as opposed to distance. And so I haven't actually got up to 7Ks I need to walk run that 7Ks. Even if I walk the whole bloody thing, I need to just get a sense in my own head of what 7Ks feels like again. So that, because the aquathon is a kilometer swim and a 7K run, and I want to be able, I know I can do the kilometer swim. Uh, I know I can walk run a 7K. I just want to kind of get in my head what that feels like. So if I do no training between now and the aquathon, I know I'll be able to finish it. Awesome. So that's my small dumb thing great what's your mini motivation really short and sweet I obviously spent the week away from home and from my partner and I got home on Sunday night only to find that she'd gone shopping and it's really cute she'd gone shopping during my game so she had sort of her headphones in listening to the game that I was commentating while doing the shopping trip and bought me all of this stuff that for, for travel a new small suitcase that I can carry on because the suitcase that I was using a bit too big for, for carry-on. Bought me little squeezy bottles so I can bring shampoo and conditioner and soap. Aww. It was just really sweet. And it just, it really reminds me of the incredible support that I have and the incredible people in my life. And it's really motivating to to do more because, mm. you know, I know I've got that in yeah. in the background when I get home and that's just it's really it's really nice lovely what's um, your mini motivation <laughs> uh mine's horrifying so um <laughs> yours was so lovely and so sweet and mine is uh <laughs> a shit show <laughs> so I've mentioned my fear of Bondi correct Yes. This weird thing I've got about swimming in the ocean at Bondi. And I've got I've actually got a Bondi swim in two weeks' time. And I am no longer afraid of it. Fear is gone because the worst happened and I survived. So <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday there was the annual Dawney to Cockatoo Island swim was scheduled. It's a harbour swim, so flat, and it's five hundred metres out to a boy, five hundred buoy for the Americans, 500 metres out to a boy and then back again. So 1.1 Ks, easy. There's about 
200 swimmers and it was organized by the local Balmain Polo Club at the Dawn Fraser Pool. And I did think when they said there were 10 surf craft out in the water to both guide us and ensure our safety, I did think that doesn't seem like a lot. But you know what? It's a harbour swim. It'll be fine. Uh, about eight of those surf craft were stand-up paddleboards, so they weren't rescue craft. They were really out just to kind of guide us along the course. And there were two courses going. There was the 1.1-kilometre swim and the 2.4-kilometre swim. Uh, so a big distance to cover. And as it turned out, those 10 craft were definitely not enough because the we were the last wave to leave and the wind had picked up a little bit by then, but I did not feel unsafe. The big winds weren't predicted till the afternoon. We knew gale force winds were coming, but they weren't predicted till later. And the water wasn't particularly choppy. It was fine. I felt safe. I would not have got in if I felt unsafe. The mm-hmm. mayor was there doing the one, two, three go. All fine. Jumped in the water. I kind of know what 500 meters is. So I got to about 500 meters and I thought, where's the boy? Mm. I I kept popping my head up and I couldn't see this boy anywhere and people were just swimming and swimming and one guy I popped my head up to you know look around and he popped up too and he was like do you know where this boy is said no there was a guy on a stand-up paddleboard um, just near us and I shouted out to him where's the boy and he said I don't know this was when I started to think, mm, maybe this is going wrong. Mm. Uh, we just kept swimming. Eventually, we came to a crew of about 20 other swimmers who'd popped up. They were like, where is this boy? One of them goes, I reckon it's swept out to sea because we could see the rescue craft ages away. Um, I looked at my watch, which I'd turned on my Strava before I jumped in the water, and we'd gone 850 metres. Mm. And I said, we got to turn back. The boy's gone. <laughs> there's, at this point, there's no surf craft anywhere near us. And we turn around and about – and the, by this point, it was windy. The wind started howling. It was if you're swimming in the break at Bondi for the whole swim. So we had to go back another 850 metres against the current, against the wind, and there was just no way. The wind was blowing us into boats, into each other, and into land. I'm swimming as hard as I could and I'm getting absolutely nowhere. The waves are crashing over the top of us. One of the women that had taken off ahead of me sort of shouted out to me and she said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. I put my head down and I kept swimming and I thought, surely the surf craft will turn up. It'll be fine. Just keep swimming. And then in my head, I remembered the Halloween crush in Korea, which like 150 something people died on Halloween this year in Korea in a crush just from poor organization. And I thought, you know what? People die from bad organization all the time. I'm not putting my faith in these people. And I popped up again and she shouted out again to me, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay. And she said, "Mm, this one's not. And pointed to the woman beside her. And her and an older woman kind of helped this young girl into a private pontoon on Louisa Road, which is way off course. And you know, help this girl kind of cling to the pontoon. And I swam over and we're all clinging to this pontoon, getting cut to shit by the oyster shells. Mm. And we couldn't get up off the pot because it's meant for boats, not for humans, right? There's no ladder or anything. And so I leant down under the water. So I clung onto the pontoon and the pontoon is flailing about because of the waves. I've clung onto the pontoon and kind of put my, my, my hand underneath this girl's foot 
so she could sort of get purchase on me and then the other two women have sort of lifted her up and over onto the pontoon and then she managed to wave down a good Samaritan in one of the houses so he came down and he helped pull the other two women off but then I had to get up and I had no purchase so here I am I had my diabolical upper body strength. I had to haul my fat ass up onto this pontoon, you know, using this like just my upper body strength and the help of this strangely strong old man (laughs) to get up on the pontoon. Well, thank goodness for that. Yeah, I mean, thank God for that guy. And from there, we were able to bring a whole bunch of other distressed swimmers up onto the pontoon. And then from there, we had to walk back to the start line, like bloodied and barefoot to uh, check our names off with the semi-hysterical teenage organisers of this swim with all of the cops and paramedics furious. And at midday, they still hadn't accounted for all swimmers. There were rescue choppers in the sky. It was really scary. Uh, And I survived. Well, that (laughs) is horrifying. I mean, obviously, I saw you for like a moment when you came back and you know you looked a little bit shell-shocked I think (laughs) hadn't quite comprehended exactly what had happened at that point I mean do you feel okay now with a sort of 24 hours under your belt uh look the beauty of parenting is you have a near-death experience and then you have five minutes to turn that shit around before you put 10, 11-year-old boys into a bunch of cars and drive to Raging Waters for a day of trying to keep track of 10, 11-year-old boys in a theme park. So (laughs) no time for decompression, (laughs) letting it out. And I was there with a couple of really lovely women who were, you know, listened to me go... So... After all of that, what exactly actually is your mini motivation, Stacey? Well, my motivation is I can go to Bondi now. Like, the worst has happened. What am I afraid <laughs> of? Like, I survived that. And at Bondi, I've got lifeguards. You swim between the flags. We're with Swim Lamb. They are, like, you know, they are very strong swimmers who take safety very seriously. You've got three swimmers, you know, really strong swimmers in your crew. And you've got the lifeguards on the beach. So... Like, I'm fine. I get swept out to see a Bondi. I'm fine. They do catch 136 sharks a year in their shark nets. <laughs> They're the ones that actually get caught in the nets. <laughs> so I still have to come to terms with that. But the, you know, really, the water's fine. You know, one every three days or so, you'll be right. <laughs> well, Taryn. speaking of sharks, I think that's a pretty good place to wrap up. <laughs> Where can the people find us? You can find us on our website at minimumbaseline.com, on our Instagram at minimum.baseline, or Twitter, which is still kicking, I can report, at minimumbaseline, or follow me at Taryn Heddo. Five-star reviews help us reach other normies who might also be trying to become incrementally less shit. Jump on your podcast app of choice and leave us some feedback. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio or our RSS feed on our website. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.